Hello, everybody, and welcome to the opening episode of the Fourth and Goal podcast, WVUA 90.7, the Cap Suns podcast for all things college football. I'm Caden Johnson, joined by my co-hosts, Braden Friedman and Nicholas Elliott, and we have so much to cover today in our opening episode from close contests last weekend and week six, all the way to previewing a huge weekend of college football ahead of us. So guys, starting off with the Alabama-Texas A&M game from last weekend, we saw the Tide scrape out a 24-20 to win. Uh, against the Aggies at home without star QB Bryce Young. Uh, Braden, what did you think about that one? I think the main thing that we can look back on from that game is missed execution. We have two missed field goals. Will Reichert is really, we have not seen him miss field goals more than once or more than 40 yards away at all, all year. And even throughout his freshman year, he has been lights out anytime he kicks the ball. Against A&M, didn't have that same lights-out foot. Then you had that problem with Milrow, just like not feeling super comfortable out there, still working out the kinks and fumbles and turnovers. And what else do you think, Nicholas? Yeah, I think really the same same thing, situation of uh, Milrow just fumbling. They gave the Aggies just really good field position to work with. They didn't have to work with much field to get their points. And I think that was just the main difference in the game because if Alabama didn't have – that many turnovers it would have been a much different score yeah you know I said before going into this game I felt like uh the main way for Texas A&M to win would be for Alabama to beat themselves and it kind of felt like they did exactly that uh Jalen Milrow didn't look too bad but you know he didn't really have the best play calling uh to his advantage Jameer Gibbs looked great I thought that was like the one positive takeaway that uh the Tide could could get from that was that Jameer Gibbs uh if he continues to get the same amount of looks and carries in the offense he could be like a legitimate Heisman contender he had 21 carries for 154 yards and then uh three catches as well so yeah I I feel like the Tide shouldn't be punished too much for this close win just considering they were missing a Heisman Trophy quarter uh Heisman Trophy winning quarterback uh but do y'all agree with them falling to third in the AP poll I think a drop to third is hard to say because Texas A&M, everyone forgets Texas A&M was pre-ranked of the season at number six. They were number six at the beginning of the year, and everyone was hyping up Texas A&M. They had a couple tough losses against Arkansas, and then that Appalachian State loss obviously did not help their cause for any of that. But have, seeing Alabama drop to three with the backup quarterback in is tough to see, especially after Georgia only dropped one after barely squeaking out against Missouri, which is a lot less respectable of his opponent as Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I just think it's just performance-wise, Alabama didn't really play their best ball offensively and still would just kept the door open for A&M. I think if they build on this performance and just build and just keep winning, they'll get back up to their number one ranking before the playoff poll starts. Yeah, and, and you see uh, teams like Ohio State being rewarded heavily for beating uh, underperforming opponents like Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin, and you know it's one could argue that Ohio State's best win uh, against a Notre Dame team isn't as good as Alabama's two best wins, and same even for Georgia. Uh, I think both Georgia and Alabama have played probably a little bit better competition than Ohio State has um, outside of that Notre Dame game, which you know it's kind of hard to tell right now how good that Notre Dame team is. But anyways, moving on to our next topic, we have. Texas, a really intriguing team right now. Uh, we've seen a lot from them without uh, Quinn Ewers, and they don't look great without him. But with him this weekend, they played against a 
Oklahoma team that's kind of falling apart and absolutely demolished them. And it's raising the question, how good is Texas when they have Quinn Ewers? Guys, do you think that Texas might even be a top 15 to 20-ish team with Quinn Ewers? I think you could argue top 20. Saying top 15, it's still too early to tell. They did not have Quinn Ewers for the second half against Alabama, which was a major advantage for Alabama, as I personally think that they probably would have lost. He looked dominant, and they brought in the backup, and their offense was kind of came to an end, and it came to an end against Texas Tech. They didn't look very good offensively. Their defense has looked good all year, but it's still too early to tell for me to be like their top 15 team. Yeah, I think Texas, I mean, not even top 15 team. I think Texas with Quinn Ewers is a top 10 team because the top 25 this year is a little weaker than years past. And I think if they can just keep handling business, get to that 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two season, they'll be up there in the top 10 easily. Okay, so looking at Texas's future schedule, we have uh, Iowa State at home this weekend. Then we have at Oklahoma State, a bye week at Kansas State, home against TCU, at Kansas which is no pushover this year, as most people know, um, and then home against the Baylor Bears. It is not really ridiculous to say that at best-case scenario, Texas really could win out and go 10-2 and or maybe more realistically go to 9-3. and They do have that tough stretch um, at the end of October and through November. But, guys, going through Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, and Kansas, how many of those games what – what do you think Texas's record would be through those four games? I think Texas is going to finish 8-4. and four. As much as I hate to say it, I think that they do lose two of those games. They are not as quite developed as they could be. I think next year is their year to be a top-10 team. I think this year is their year that they're coming back. They're getting their recruiting class with the new coach, Sarkeesian. And I think that this year is their year to show that they're back, and next year is their year to show that they're really back, and they're really back to compete for the playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll just lose one more game, one or two more games going out. Oklahoma State will be a tough game, especially if that's in still water this year. That environment is no, no pushover. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I think I think that next year we're looking at like a really serious contending team in Texas. This year uh, I do like them going probably around 9-3 and three at best. But I feel like a lot of how you can judge Texas right now is based on how – how respectable of Oklahoma you are, and you know Oklahoma is absolutely falling apart. It's it's kind of embarrassing, sad, whatever you want to call it for their program. But anyways, moving on to our next topic, we have Tennessee. Obviously, you know, arguably the biggest game of the year so far in Alabama and Tennessee this weekend. Tennessee is coming off of a dominant win against an LSU team that people thought were almost back in a sense, and Tennessee kind of shut that down with the win in Death Valley. Uh, how, how good do you think Tennessee really is? I think that Tennessee's offense is very good. I think their defense is their biggest weakness, and they're ranked in the 80s in the country, I think 86 to be exact. And to be a, a playoff contending team, you've got to have a defense. You've got to be able to compete defensively with these teams. You can put up 40 points, but with Bryce Young, Bama's going to put up 40 points too. So their defense is going to have to be spot on if they need to be that good. I think that Tennessee is a great team. They're a top 10 team. To say they're a top 5, top 4 team 
probably not enough evidence for that yet, but there's always a possibility anything could happen down in Knoxville this weekend. Yeah, I think Tennessee's great. Their their offense is probably one of the top five in the country right now, but their defense, their front seven is really good, really dominant, but their back, their secondary is not very good this year. And it's just so I think their ceiling is probably ten and two with losses to Alabama and Georgia. And that's a good year under the second year of Josh Heupel. And they can just keep building on that. And Tennessee is going to be a, a great program and not the program you'd want to see in the SEC East going forward. Yeah, um, I was really high on Tennessee. And I, I don't want to say that I've declined a little bit on that, but it's just that, that win against Pittsburgh is really starting to look more and more like a struggle win. You know, Pittsburgh took them to overtime, and now Pittsburgh is out losing to Georgia Tech and struggling to, against teams like Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm not going to hold it against them too much. They did struggle against Florida a little bit. It's just a, some defensive kinks that they have to work out. Uh, it looked like their defense looked pretty good against LSU. But, guys, what can you say about Hendon Hooker's Heisman odds if Texas, or if Tennessee pulls off the upset this weekend at home against Alabama? I think that his Heisman odds go way up. If you beat Alabama, any team that beats Alabama during the regular season that – is ranked in the top 10 and has a quarterback like Hooker, I mean, his his odds are going to go way up to top three. Are close to being the favorite. There's still Oregon. There's still USC. The always front runners for the Pac-12. UCLA has looked good maybe the last two years. Maybe they're on their way to being the front runner, runner of the Pac-12, but I just think USC has so much coming for them. And but it's going to be a close matchup when UCLA plays USC and then obviously Utah plays USC this week. That's going to be another real decider. If Utah beats USC, then UCLA is – they are the front runner. They're the, they have the best record at that point. So there's, all, there's a chance of that for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 is still wide open. I mean, depending on the Utah-USC outcome, every team – I mean, USC could be – Four and one, and Utah could be three and one after this week. And you still have Oregon has been quietly three and zero, three and zero in the Pac-12, and then they are uh, five and one after their loss week one to Georgia, and they're just quietly winning with Bo Nix. And uh, the schedule is favorable for Oregon going down the stretch, having UCLA at home. And I just think they have a good chance to maybe pull it out. Yeah, and taking a deeper look into UCLA's future here. Uh, I mean, they, they're coming off a bye this week. Uh, they'll go play at Oregon the next week. And then, I mean, after that, after outside of Oregon and USC at home, it, it's almost guaranteed wins for UCLA if they're able to maintain this high level of play that they have right now. They have Stanford, Arizona State on the road, Arizona, and California to round out the year. But, yes, November 19th. Uh, home against USC is definitely a game that everybody's going to have marked on their calendars uh, for the future of the Pac-12. And quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson has looked amazing throughout the season. He's got uh, 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, he's he's another guy that's really, like, really slowly creeping up that Heisman campaign. And if UCLA keeps winning – it's going to be really hard to argue against him being in New York potentially later this year. So, I, d- I do think I do not see UCLA going into Austin Stadium and beating Oregon though. I think that's going to be a tough environment, and I don't know if UCLA is ready for that. Yeah, I just I don't know I don't know how 
faithful I am in Oregon. Oregon's just looked weird. You know, they had the one of the worst performances by any highly ranked team of the year against Georgia, and then they looked bad for three and a half quarters against Washington State and somehow squeaked out that one. Washington State choked that game like away pretty bad. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, though. That'll definitely be a top matchup, a probably primetime game for sure. All right, next question, our last question of the weekly recap. We have Oklahoma State. A lot of people are high on Oklahoma State. A lot of people are low on Oklahoma State. Some people think they're overrated. Uh, will Oklahoma State compete for a playoff spot this year? Uh, I, I just don't think the Big 12 is going to bring any playoff teams this year. I think they're all going to beat each other, and it's just going to be a bloodbath fighting for who gets the spot in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. Looking at and just saying Oklahoma State, they've fallen off in the past when they've had these chances, especially last year when they lost their playoff spot, when they lost to Baylor in the Big 12 championship. I just don't trust a Mike Gundy coach team in, in that spot. Yeah, never forget uh, 2011 Oklahoma State. Yeah. With a really big choke, losing to like Iowa State in double overtime. That was crazy. Yeah, I mean, you. it's early enough to say that any undefeated team is competing for that playoff spot. And I think that obviously TCO, Oklahoma State, someone's going to come out of that game with the win. Someone's going to come out of that game losing. Whoever comes out of that game with the win, I think is going to be competing for a playoff spot. I would be even farther to say that there's probably going to be one playoff team from every conference this year if – there's a loss in the SEC, and the Big 12 teams stay undefeated. And the big, obviously, Ohio State or Michigan, someone's going to beat each other in that game. So there's Clemson's obviously on the container for that too. So yeah, I like what Nicholas said. I think that the I could really see the Big 12 just kind of beating each other out of a playoff spot. Basically, what the Pac-12 has done, yeah, almost every year since the playoffs started. You know, a big, the Big 12 doesn't have that one, like, true powerhouse blue blood this year like they normally have with Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I think they're missing that a lot, and I think it's going to show uh, come playoff time. It, it's just really hard to look at schedules for teams like Oklahoma State and say, yeah, this week they're going to beat TCU at TCU, then they're going to beat Texas. Then the next week they're going to beat K-State at K-State, and then the next week they play Kansas at Kansas. It's hard to just really – confidently say that they can just fly through those four weeks against four top 20 teams like that um and same goes for every other team in the conference you know their upsets are destined to happen so it's gonna be really tough for the uh for Oklahoma State to get in with that kind of schedule all right moving on to the next segment we've got our top performers of the week uh, so how that works is pretty self-explanatory. Each of us have picked a player of the week that we thought stood out to us. And I'll go ahead and start. I got Israel Abinaconda, the running back from Pitt. He had 36 carries this week for a whopping 320 yards and six touchdowns. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can have much more of an impact on a game than that. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh was able to pull out uh, win against a really struggling program in Virginia Tech right now. Virginia Tech's not looking up at all. But uh, let's see if either of y'all can find a performance that can top that one. That's kind of tough. Uh, it's it's hard to say C.J. Stroud's performance was six touchdowns, but C.J. Stroud, he does that all the time. As Michigan State, struggling team, struggling defense. 
I have to go with Thompson Robinson at UCLA. You play a ranked opponent, and it's you throw, what, four touchdowns for 300 yards. Yeah, he had the interception, but that, I mean, if you're going to go into a game that's that important for your season and be that lights out, maybe throw one pick with 300 yards, four touchdowns. He was lights out, and he looked great. Yeah, my player of the week would be Quentin Johnston from TCU, wide receiver. He had uh, 14 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown and completely doubled his stats they had on the year. And he just had a big game and led uh, Kansas, led TCU over 38-31 win over Kansas in a primetime game for Kansas, probably one of their biggest games ever in, in their football program's history. Yeah, just touching into that game a little bit more, you know, unfortunately the loss of Jalen Daniels really hurt them. Um, in that game, uh, you know, some might would say that Kansas would have won that game had they had Jalen Daniels healthy. But really, Jason Bean, uh, the backup QB senior out of Mansfield, Texas, came in and stepped up. He had 262 yards and four touchdowns with one interception. The interception was really costly, but I mean, you can't really ask for much more out of your backup QB than that. And um, how do you guys feel for Kansas's future with Jalen Daniels now being potentially? potentially out for the year you know I I think everybody saw his Twitter he said that uh, he said that the reports of him being out for the year were news to him quote unquote so potentially being out for some time how do you guys like Kansas's future ahead of them yeah Kansas does have a t- tough games ahead of them I think if they can just get to a bowl game that would just be huge for that program under Lance Leipold especially from where he's taking them from and I think under their new quarterback, I mean, he played really well, especially having to come in under these circumstances. And if he can just carry the load and just keep that team moving, I mean, I think they can just at least finish 7-5 and five above 500, which would be huge for them. Yeah, I perfectly agree. I think that that he's going to do the job there. He's going to help them squeak out a couple more wins. But to be a really competitive team, I think they need, I think they need the starter back. Same same as most teams. They need their starting quarterback in if they're going to really compete for top 10 bowl game. Yeah, Kansas has more talent this year than maybe ever and probably more uh, better coaching this year than they've had in a really long time. Um, and not, not the toughest schedule in the world ahead of them, but not necessarily an easy schedule either. You know, they got Oklahoma State, they got Texas, both of those games at home, and then they got obviously K-State on the road. It's it's just another example of these Big 12 teams, though, like just playing each other out of playoff spots. It's really unfortunate for them that they have to go through that sort of turmoil with their schedule. Uh, every team plays every team in the conference, so... Moving on to our college football playoff ranking, not the best. Uh, Mel Tucker's had a lot of coaching success against Harbaugh in the past, so look for that to continue. And another thing from Michigan is just that that non-conference schedule: uh, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn. It, that's that's almost just disgraceful to have a team that's competing for a playoff spot to have that as their non-conference schedule. You want to touch on that a little bit, or? You just got to play who's on the schedule. I mean, Michigan's just handling their business. They're still beating their teams by, beating those teams by a lot. They're not really struggling with them, but they. It's just kind of questionable. I mean, they could. I mean, they're struggling with some Big Ten teams if they can't handle their business. I mean, it's going to show at the end of the year that maybe they should have played a better team to start the season. That's 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 exactly what I was going to say. I think that you got to follow who's on your schedule. You got to play them like you'd play anyone else. 
Yep. And uh, just another thing, too, is they really struggled against Maryland. And I mean, really on upset watch against them. Yeah. And they, they've struggled against, I, I wouldn't say struggled against Indiana. They didn't look great, but they didn't necessarily struggle. Iowa, they didn't look they too didn't good. Look good they Iowa, didn't look too yeah. good against Iowa. It's, it's a lot of just having to pull away late, it seems, for Michigan in conference play. And I mean, look out, Penn State. Penn State is more motivated to play this game than any other game this year. I feel like Penn State is really ready for the test. I feel like they're going into the big house at 11 a.m. sharp this Saturday and uh, look for a potential upset in that one. But So everybody's got a, a relatively basic uh, CFP standings, it looks like. Um, you know, Braden did have the take about USC or Oklahoma State getting in. That's I, I, lo- I love an yeah. underdog story. Yeah, I love an underdog story. No, as college football fans, you know, it's it's kind of cool to like root for something different. I know, you know, we're obviously not ones to talk with going to Alabama, but you know, seeing seeing that change every once in a while is not bad at all. It's like seeing Michigan and Cincinnati in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, it's nice. It's nice to have that sort of variety in the playoffs, and I think a lot of people would be really happy to see Tennessee squeak in this year. Um, it seems like they're a pretty, pretty big fan favorite team. You know, not not so much fan favorites in, in this part of the <laughs> in this part of the country. Uh, but, anyways, moving on. As I said, we're still going off the AP poll right now. No college football playoff rankings yet. I think that they come out the. F- Maybe it's it's November first or second. It's something like that. Um, After the Ole Miss game, it should be around. Yeah. yeah, somewhere around then. But with the AP poll coming out this week, uh, we're going to do a segment called Overrated Underrated. Uh, all three of us are going to go around and say our most who we think is the most overrated team ranked too high and the most underrated team ranked too low in this new edition of the AP poll. Um, I'll go ahead and start. Myself, I have the most overrated team being Ole Miss at nine. I think Ole Miss has has struggled bad, and I think that they they struggled against Vanderbilt this weekend. We've seen them struggle against uh, other teams too that they shouldn't be struggling against, like Tulsa. Tulsa was a, I want to say it was a seven point game even at home against yeah. a not great Tulsa team at all. They're really riding that win against Kentucky. And that win is getting discredited a little bit more and more each week. I feel like it's it's not looking as good of a win as people think that it is. But that being said, Ole Miss is undefeated. It's kind of hard to not have a undefeated power conference team ranked that high at this point in the season, especially when we've had an already like really chaotic year. And it, it just feels like the top ten isn't really as strong as it has been some years. But, Braden, who would you say is your most overrated team in this new AP poll right now? It's, it's hard to pick a most overrated team. Right now, I feel like most teams are properly rated. But I'm, I'm just going to say it. Georgia should not be number one. Oh, it should be Ohio State. Like, Georgia almost lost to, you know, Georgia has two teams that has seemed to c- touch the field this year. It's the team against South Carolina and Auburn, which looked really good. The teams against Kent State and Missouri. If you know they've looked a little shaky against teams that they should be handling with no problem. So the Georgia at one probably not the right spot, but they were national champions last year. I just haven't seen enough from Georgia to think that that's what's going to be. They're going to stay number one. They're going to do it again. And I say most overrated team. 
probably TCU. I think TCU, they came off a big win against Oklahoma. They've been getting a lot of hype. Everyone's like, it's horn frog season. I got a lot of friends that go to TCU who think that, that this is their year. I think that TCU probably does not have enough for Oklahoma State, and they might. But like you guys said, Big 12 could beat up on each other. I think Oklahoma State is a front runner in the in the Big 12, and I think TCU's just come out with a couple games. Obviously, Oklahoma's been falling apart, and that's been their – and Kansas with the backup in for half the game, I think that just maybe they aren't as good as they are. Who knows? Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with Caden. I think Ole Miss has to be my most overrated team. Just their offense is not as prolific under Lane. They've been having a scratch and call more defensively, which is actually good for Lane Kiffin team because you don't expect – to have good defense, but their defense is much improved from where it's been. But I just think Jackson Dart has not shown some flashes yet that he showed last year at USC. But if he can show that, I think Ole Miss could still be up up in the top 15 range by the end of the season. Yeah, um, a lot of people are really high on Jackson Dart, obviously. Uh, and rightfully so. He looked good in the Pac-12, but I, I mean, I feel like that just shows a really big testament to how much different of an environment it is to play in the SEC. Um, he he hasn't. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would use the word struggled, but he hasn't excelled necessarily in that Ole Miss offense yet. But thankfully for them, they have arguably the best rushing attack in the SEC. Uh, it's right there with like Arkansas and Alabama. Even um, Zach Evans has been an absolute beast. Uh, 79 carries, 469 yards, six touchdowns, and then Quinshawn Judkins with 580 yards and eight touchdowns as well. And, and that's a freshman too. Um, so thankfully for Ole Miss, they have had that ground game to just absolutely carry them at times when uh, Jackson Dart hasn't necessarily been on his A game. And I think we saw that against Kentucky a lot. Um, Judkins had 106 yards on a touchdown in that game. He was an absolute beast. Zach Evans tacked on another rushing touchdown as well. And uh, uh, the Ole Miss defense is really has been decent at times this year. Uh, they were a little shaky against Vanderbilt. They were a little shaky against Tulsa. But for the most part, they've had a pretty good year. Um, you guys look for them to continue their success against Auburn, or is that a game that y'all can see potentially being on upset alert? I think at home, Ole Miss is going to have no problem beating Auburn. If it was at Jordan-Hare, maybe a different story, but I think Ole Miss is going to cruise through Auburn this week. Yeah, I agree with what Braden was saying. I think Ole Miss will uh, probably have a first-half struggle it's at 11 a.m., but I think the second half, they'll just pull on the throttle and just cruise through victory. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel about it, too. Obviously, I, just with the recent struggles of Ole Miss, I could see Auburn playing this game closer than a lot of people think it is. The line right now is Ole Miss by 15. I actually don't see it being that high, uh, that much of a difference. Um, I like Auburn's defense. Ole Miss's defense isn't bad. It just really depends on Auburn's uh, quarterback play. That's how most of their season has depended anyways. But moving on to our most underrated teams in the AP poll, I'm going to start. I have Texas at 22. We had the segment earlier about where would Texas be or where should Texas be with Quinn Ewers? I think if they don't lose Quinn Ewers, they don't get that loss to Texas Tech. And, you know, some might would argue that they beat Alabama. I don't know about that one, but I for sure don't think they lose to Texas Tech. I think that Texas would be a borderline top 10 team right now if they had Quinn Ewers. Maybe not in that top 10, but I, 
I like them over teams like TCU. I like them over teams like Wake Forest. I like them over teams like um, NC State. And I, I really think that Texas being at 22 um, under teams like Utah and Cincinnati is, is kind of – it's kind of it's kind of a little bit undercutting them. Same with under being under teams like Kansas. Um, you know, Kansas really got their first real test this week, and and they didn't win. So I feel like you got to punish them a little bit more for that. Uh, what do you guys think about the most underrated team right now? Yeah, my I think my most underrated team would probably be Mississippi State. I mean, they're 16th right now, but they've had some good wins. I mean, they throttled Arkansas, throttled Texas A&M. And I think this is probably one of the best Mike Leach teams he's had so far during his tenure at Mississippi State. And even though they had that loss against LSU, I mean, I think they should still be in that 12 or 13 range. They got a big week coming up against Kentucky. All right, I'm 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 gonna go on the on the new the new contenders train. I'm gonna pick Syracuse. I think Syracuse at five and zero. It's a hot take. They've had a lot of close games. They looked really good, like good against Louisville. And they got NC State coming up, obviously. NC State starting quarterback. It's a questionable situation. He's probably not going to be playing for a while. I think they have a good chance of beating NC State. They're really the only game that, that looks difficult on Syracuse's schedule is Clemson and Wake Forest. I could see them pulling off Wake Forest. I don't know about Clemson. But I, Syracuse could finish the season with one or two losses. And yeah, who knows? They got a really good ground game with Sean Tucker, too. Sean Tucker's probably one of the best, under, most underrated running backs in the country. He's 500 yards and five touchdowns on this year already. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean Tucker, the big fan favorite. Uh, everybody loves Sean Tucker. Um, he's coming off a huge game where he had 230 yards and three touchdowns, and Syracuse basically mercy rolled the FCS uh, Wagner opponent that they played against. Um, yeah, going into NC State this week, they're coming off a bye. Some questions about Devin Leary's health. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be tight in the Carrier Dome. I, you know, it wouldn't be crazy to say that Syracuse is gonna pull that off. I, I want to honestly say that Syracuse is favored right now. Right? Yeah, guys? Syracuse is favored. Yeah, they are favored. I, yeah, I think they are too. Um, it's just a question marks. Who knows if Devin Leary even plays? And last week, NC State was struggling. I mean, I know Florida State's good, but. They did not let their quarterback loose at all. They were just not letting him throw at all. And I think that could be struggling with them this weekend in the carrier dome. Yeah. Yeah. And then just touching on NC State a little bit, uh, there's been a lot of questions, even when Devin Leary is healthy, about their weapons and just their lack thereof more so of weapons. And, you know, a lot of people really like Devin Leary as a pro-style quarterback and a f- uh, future NFL starter even you know a lot of people are really high on his draft stock and it's it's going down a little bit and some like I said uh, blame it more so on his lack of targets and his lack of weapons on the offensive end but uh, we'll see how that plays out for them next week and we'll see if Devin Leary's able to stay healthy uh, going back to Nicholas's take of Mississippi State being underrated I could not agree more. This team is scary, you know. A lot of people uh, – Four-point underdogs this week against TCU. TCU still coming off that big win against Kansas and a hard-fought win, I think, Oklahoma State. They cruised through victory over uh, Texas Tech last week. And I just think Oklahoma State – I mean, Spencer Sanders has been been amazing this year. 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns, only two interceptions. With that experience at the quarterback position, I think Oklahoma State's going to go to Fort Worth and pull that out. 
All right, yeah. I mean, feels like I had the hottest take here today with uh, with the upset. Um, you know, I, I just really, I'm high on the Nulls. You know, thought, you know what, might as well, first episode, might as well come out with a hot take. Uh, moving on to our Pick'em session. Uh, we're going to keep up with this every week. We're going to keep up with our records. So... Uh, we'll start. We'll start hot. We have a lot of really good games this week. There's a lot of really good games to touch on. Um, starting off with Penn State at Michigan. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say my pick. I'm rocking with the Nittany Lions this weekend to pull off an upset. Another upset I picked this week. Um, I, I, I just feel like Michigan has just struggled so much. You can only have so many close games like that. You can only have so many uh, really big struggle wins, I'll say, bef- before a team really just capitalizes. And I think Penn State is the best team that Michigan has played by a lot this year. And I think Penn State will be the first team to capitalize off of a shaky Michigan team that isn't able to finish teams off. Uh, I, I'm also going to be taking Penn State that game, but it's it's hard for me to be like – Penn State's going to go to the big house for 110, 110, 105,000 people and just dominate. Like, it's going to be another one of those squeak-out wins for either team. They're going to come away with the win late in the game. I I think I'm going to take Penn State to win. Uh, yeah, Michigan has not looked dominant against anyone this year in their conference. They've looked good. They have not sh- throttled anyone. They have not, you know – put the hammer down and won by, you know, 30 or 40 against any one of their conference like Ohio State has. So I've, I'll take Penn State for that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to stick with the home team here, go with the Michigan Wolverines. I just think they're going to have to rely on that running attack with Blake Corum and then J.J. McCarthy. If they can just control the tempo and the, the time of possession, I think uh, that the home crowd will feed off that. And their defense has been great this year. Yeah, big battle of running backs in this one. Penn State's got the two uh, freshmen, Allen and Singleton, combined for about 800, 900 yards this year. And then Michigan has Blake Corum, who's obviously been probably the team's most electric offensive player by far. And even some would say, like I mentioned earlier, a potential Heisman candidate. I could see it happening. He's probably the best non-quarterback right now, odds-wise, to be in New York at the end of the year uh, to get that Heisman trophy. And we'll see how that plays out. Next game, we got uh, 15th-ranked North Carolina State at Syracuse. Touched on this game a little bit earlier. Syracuse is surprisingly favored to win. North Carolina State having some questions at quarterback. I am going to go with the Cuse holding off uh, the Wolfpack in the Carrier Dome. I think that Syracuse is going to bring out a good atmosphere for this one. I think Sean Tucker's going to run all over NC State, and I think Syracuse will run away with this one and stay undefeated. That couldn't have said it better myself. I think that that Syracuse at home in in the dome, at places it, there's going to be an electric atmosphere. Probably sold out crowd. Uh, I'm looking at Florida State and Jordan Travis to finally capitalize and get a big win here against Clemson. I know that it's a hot take. It's a hot take. But Clemson has just struggled a little bit recently in past games, and Florida State has looked good just other than being able to hold on in some of the games that they've had, especially with NC State and a really bad meltdown last week. They were in field goal range and through the interception, obviously. But I think that Jordan Travis has a big bounce-back game against this Clemson team. And I think the FSU, maybe maybe I'll even say game-winning field goal time expires. Uh, what do you guys think about this one? That's, it's, I like your take. Because I, I do think that the atmosphere at Florida State is going to affect Clemson. 
and Clemson has looked a little shaky at the beginning of games, especially against even Georgia Tech. They didn't look that good exactly in the first half. But they came out in the second half really strong. I think it's going to be like that again. I think they're going to be a little shaky at the beginning of the game. Then something's going to spark a fire in them, and they're going to they're going to come out with probably the win. Who knows? I guess if you think Florida State, maybe there's a chance that it's going to happen. I just I think that Clemson, they don't have that much ahead of them after this game, and this is this is their chance to show that they belong in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Kate. I'm going to go with Florida State. Florida State, this is Mike Norvell's year. They had him on the hot seat coming into this year. You don't want to fall to four and three with three straight losses to ranked teams. I think he's going to have to get the team on his back. He's going to have to coach his way, keep keep his job. I think this is a game to do so, and they're going to pull it off. Hey, look at that. Okay, so we have two out of three of us actually going with FSU, the Knolls, to beat the Tigers on Saturday night in primetime. That is definitely going to be one that you're going to want to have on your TV. That is going to be a great game. Um, next game we have Mississippi State at Kentucky. This is a Kentucky team that's struggling, to say the least, the last two weeks. Um, it's almost like that Ole Miss loss just kind of opened the doors to a team that was getting some struggle wins and is really bringing out that bad side of play. We saw them really kind of get embarrassed against South Carolina last week. And we're seeing a Mississippi State team that's as hot as arguably any team in the country right now. Um, like I said before, Mississippi State is a fourth quarter meltdown away from being a 6-0 team. And being a 6-0 team in the SEC West or even a 5-1 team like they are now, that is no easy feat. I do like Mississippi State in this one, and I'll even go as far to say that despite them playing at Kentucky, I think Mississippi State potentially embarrasses Kentucky. I, I almost like Mississippi State by two, three touchdowns in this one. What do you guys think? I don't know if they're going to embarrass Kentucky at home, but I think they will. They're, they're going to come out with the victory against Kentucky. Their offense looked very good against Arkansas last week. I think that it's going to look very good again this week. I don't know if Arkansas really is as good as they were when they were ranked number nine. And now, obviously, they're, what, three and three? And But Kentucky was also – everyone was on the Kentucky hype train. They got that loss to Ole Miss. Quarterback went down, and then it was just – they've been on a downward spiral. I don't know if they're going to come back and be good enough to beat Mississippi State this week, but I think Mississippi State's going to go and, and probably win by maybe 10, 12 – yeah, I think Mississippi State's going to win this game, but who knows with Will Levis' status, he has turf toe. I don't know if he's going to be able to – if he's playing this week or not. And that's a huge loss for them. They did not look in sync when he was out last week against South Carolina. I think Mississippi State's going to come in and handle business and be – six and one heading into Brian Denny next week. Yeah, I think this is a good example too of just a testament to how important it is to not get upset in the SEC play. Um, you see Kentucky with a really tough schedule. You know, they got to play Georgia. They got to play Tennessee later in the year, playing Mississippi State. They played Ole Miss two weeks ago. It, it's so important when you're trying to be a competitive team in the SEC to not choke up against the South Carolinas, against the Vanderbilts, against the Missouris. You have to win those games when you're trying to make a name for yourself in the SEC. And Kentucky losing a game like that against South Carolina, it's, it's detrimental uh, to the rest of their season. And moving on to the next game, we got some Pac-12 action here. Uh, you know, some might would say so far the game of the year in the Pac-12, maybe USC finally gets like a really good test against a Utah team on the road too. 
Uh, this is a Utah team that's coming off a tough loss to a UCLA team that I think most people can agree is is legit, right? Um, and I'm looking at Utah to bounce back in this one. Utah is favored to beat USC. This was Braden's uh, upset of the week, was USC actually beating Utah despite um, – Utah being favored. I do like Utah to cover that spread, though, and get the upset in this one against USC. Yeah, I think Utah is going to uh, gonna win this game. They're honoring one of their uh, long-lost uh, teammates who died last year so in a tragic accident. I think they're going to win for him and for the team. They, But they're, I think this is going to be a close game because they've struggled. Their two losses, they've struggled with two running quarterbacks. I think if they can handle that, and I know their, their crowd is going to be into that, I think they'll pull it off. It'll be close, though. This is going to be a very – this is probably going to be the closest game this week. This is going to be a fired-up Utah team coming off a loss to UCLA that really can't afford to lose the game against USC. But then you have USC, on the other hand, who's looked very good and who's really trying to make a name for themselves to have a playoff spot. So – yeah, Utah's going to be fired up. They're going to, but I don't know if they're going to be fired enough t- to beat a playoff hunting USC team. Yeah, that that is that is a really enticing game. Another yeah. one that you're going to want to have on TV. And one of one of my other takes is U- USC. They've had an explosive offense, but I haven't seen them been putting up big numbers like 50 points a game, especially with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. They haven't really shown those flashes yet. Maybe this weekend they'll start showing that, but who knows. Yeah, potentially big breakout game uh, from the Williams Jordan Addison duo. They've they've been they've had some flashes of uh, really good. So it's going to be another. Both teams need the win. It's going to be a very hard fought battle. But I think that there's going to be a late game interception that probably late game interception or fumble that really like turns the page on the game and, and shows who's going to come out with the win. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for us here today. Great first episode. Uh, I'm Caden Johnson. I'm Braden Friedman. And I'm Nicholas Elliott. And this is the 4th and Goal Podcast signing out. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.